0: It's the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. The backup barrage of quarterbacks continues. Look out, Dak Prescott. You're next
2: hi this is arif Hassan with pro football network and i have been hideously and falsely accused of using performance depressing substances on this podcast more later
3: i'm luke braun of the locked on vikings podcast and i think i am about to be hide- hideously accused of something by ron johnson that's
1: definitely happening luke inman on the injury report today uh, so that's the group. It's the Minnesota football party on locked on sports, Minnesota
2: locked on sports, Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party.
1: Welcome in. It's another episode of the Minnesota Football Party. Endless Vikings talk for the next hour. I'm Sam Ekstrom of the Ron Johnson Show and Locked On Sports Minnesota. Follow me on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Arif Hassan writes for Pro Football Network. He's at Arif Hasan NFL. And Luke Braun hosts Locked On Vikings and the Locked On Vikings postcast. He's at Luke Braun NFL today. We get into the Keenum-Diggs connection reborn in Buffalo. Will that be who the Vikings face on Sunday? We'll revisit the last time the Vikings played the Buffalo Bills. And Ron Johnson will join to rip Luke Braun. I'm just going to put that out there, and uh, I can't wait for it to happen. But before we get into the myriad talkers today, a reminder that you can follow along with us on Amazon Fire and Roku. Download those apps. Get us on the big screen. It's a seamless viewing experience. Download those on your TV and then download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app. And you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It is free and available. It's audio and or video. You You can literally put the video on and pause the video and fire up the audio and sync it. And uh, and you can watch it that way. Don't know why you would, but you could do that in theory. Uh, Arif and Luke, a lot to get into today. Let's start with the talker, the, the number one topic of the week. Case Keenum, potentially the quarterback on Sunday for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen has not practiced yet this week. We'll see about Thursday. We'll see about Friday. But he has an elbow sprain that could hold him out. And the Vikings could face a fourth backup quarterback this year. <laughs> and a third Jeez. former Vikings backup quarterback. They're just going to keep Case doing it. Keenum.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, let's, aimed, let's aimed you're not you. even counting Aaron Rodgers in that list of backup quarterbacks, so it's really oh it's my an even goodness. easier schedule than you.
1: He's coming in hot. Let's go to Arif Hassan. Your thoughts if the Vikings <laughs> play Case Keenum. What is the, the
2: drop-off from Josh Allen? it It is substantial. So when uh, the sportsbooks had no idea who was going to play, if there was some you know chance that Josh Allen was going to play, you know this had already initially been reported that he had some sort of elbow thing uh, you know before we had a timeline on it. Uh, the Bills were favored at about seven points. Now, first of all, the sportsbooks are all over the place, but the Bills, um, you know, when it when it became a little bit more certain, they dropped to three points favored Bills. And now I think, I haven't checked it recently, we can check over at, at sportsbook, but now I think the Vikings are favored, right? Not a ton of, like, the quarterback is the most important position, right? But not a ton of quarterbacks from their starter to their backup dropped by multiple possessions. This is extraordinary. Um, and, you know, I we've seen Case Keenan play a lot. Obviously, we've seen him play in a Vikings uniform, but after that, he earned a starting job, maybe deservedly so, right, uh, with the Denver Broncos, and that just did not work out for him. He wasn't playing very well after the Denver Broncos. He had a stint in Washington. That did not turn out very well, and then he's just been kind of bouncing around. We saw a pair of starts in Cleveland. We saw um, actually more than a pair of starts in Cleveland, uh, and when we saw just a tiny bit of play in the preseason from him uh in Buffalo and he's he's not, you know, a very good quarterback. I mean, it's it, I hate saying it because I love him, right? He's a fantastic person. Um he was he was, you know, really fun to cover and he really helped enable one of the best seasons the Vikings have had, but uh, you know, he he's not playing well. And Josh Allen is an MVP caliber player. Uh and uh, and he's been playing at an MVP level. So it's it's substantial, but I do want to point out, you know, the Bills also when you take out the quarterback, the Bills have like the third or fourth best roster in the NFL up and down. Right. And that can't be ignored. So um, there's a lot of elements at play here. But, you know, in case Keenan might be better than some other backup quarterbacks, but this is a radically different team with him in it.
1: Yeah. Interesting to note, Luke Braun, that Bet Online put together the most valuable players in football before the season based on their impact on the spread. Josh Allen, not Patrick Mahomes, was number one on that list, worth eight points just by existing, just by being in the game. Worth eight points, and that's coming to fruition now. They're not going to go all the way down eight points, but they've gone like halfway, a little more than halfway, mm-hmm. with the uncertainty that he might not play. Um, and a couple notes on Keenum: outside of his year as the Viking starter, eighteen and thirty-two in fifty starts in the NFL. Touchdown to interception ratio outside of that year: fifty-six to forty-one. So that would be evidence to a Reef's point. Maybe an outlier season for Case Keenum in Minnesota.
3: <laughs> Perhaps that was uh, and something a little unsustainable Maybe? over there, you think? Yeah, if um, only
2: people covering Minnesota at the time had pointed this out. <laughs> if only.
3: If only the Minnesota Vikings, who did not re-sign Case Keenum, knew. <laughs> uh they were thirteen and three and didn't resign their quarterback. Maybe, maybe this was obvious. Uh, the, the horseshoe way,
2: over his head played a role. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: currently, Bills favored by three and a half. I believe at Bet Online they started mm-hmm. at seven and a half. So about half of that eight points has moved, which is the market reacting to. We don't know who is going to be the quarterback. Um, but yeah, uh, one player representing an entire touchdown in a betting betting market—that's enormous. Um, but like Arif said, that roster is good, and and what I've, I'm hearing on Vikings media and and like on social media and stuff is, you know, this this idea or like rebuking this idea that hey, if Case Keenum plays, all right, cool, backup quarterback, auto win, and no, <laughs> that's not the way that that works. Case Keenum is a good backup quarterback. I don't think he belongs as a starter. But he's a good backup, and the definition of a good backup is somebody that can come in when your quarterback tweaks his elbow and needs to miss a couple weeks, limp you through those couple weeks, and maybe even steal one of the games, right? So by that definition, Case Keenum can steal a game. Um, we have certainly had tougher battles in the last month with lesser teams than a Case Keenum-led Bills. So if Josh Allen plays, this is a really, really hard game. If he doesn't, it's still a very hard game. They've got a lot of good players, mm-hmm. and... While Case Keenum, I mean, he just doesn't nearly have the talent, and there's a whole bunch of stuff you just kind of don't have to defend with Keenum that you do versus Allen. Uh, there's st- – he's a quarterback. He's not a potato. This is what I always say about backup quarterbacks. People treat him like they're potatoes and like it's an auto win, like it's over. No, the line moved by four points. He's a quarterback, not a potato, all right? I needed to tell Mike Zimmer this because he treated Cooper Rush like a potato and lost.
2: Okay, actually, so I was I was gonna bring up Cooper Rush because I have I have a question for you, Luke. Uh and Sam, of course, feel free to chime in. Um rank the backup quarterbacks, right? Okay, so you've got Case Keenum, you've got Teddy Bridgewater, you've got Andy Dalton, you've got Skyler Thompson, uh, and just because Cooper Rush has played a lot this year, let's put Cooper Rush in there too. So rank those well, backup well, quarterbacks. And Taylor Heineke. Put that in there too.
3: <laughs> can I put Carson Wentz in there just so I can say Heineke's above him? Um it's really no, hard to rank to
2: potato
1: Keenum Fair. just because we don't like we haven't experienced Keenum yet this year, you know? Um but I would say that Dalton Dalton's like track record and overall professionalism would
2: put him number Dalton's number one. One? Okay. So Dalton.
3: That dude was balling. You're putting Skylar Thompson one? He, he was balling in that like game. I think if he plays, plays that game, he crushes us.
2: Eight
1: Yep, plays. I'm overreacting
3: to a tiny sample. Deal with it.
1: <laughs> um, so, I'm aware and, of it. Again, I accept like... it.
3: I'm, I'm doing it. What are you going to do? Arrest me?
2: No, there's a, there's a lot of to ways to get me. you arrested, Luke. Okay? Just believe <laughs> you me. <laughs>
3: That's true. You are uniquely equipped to get me <laughs> into, into legal trouble.
1: Get the so Luke Braun mask Thompson. out. Dalton, impersonation, Keenum,
3: Teddy, <laughs> and who else did you say? Heineke, Heineke, Cooper Rush, year, and Cooper and Rush. Cooper Rush. See, all, right. all um, of them played badly against. Like, who?
1: Who among them actually played a good game against the Vikings? Not, not even uh, Cooper Dalton. Rush. Like, n- none of them did. They were all horrible. Uh, and uh, Cooper Rush did all right. <laughs> you <laughs> did No, he didn't. He didn't do all right. Cooper Rush. How better. many points did they score? How many drives did they? Not score any points. It was not Let's a good a game. The Cooper Rush game. A he turned Cooper it over Rush twice. Game. Give me the line. Oh, I'm sure that the yards ended up being. Didn't Amari fine. Cooper
3: have like a hundred yard game?
1: Yeah, because I was just thinking that was like the Amari Cooper
2: up... game.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, we kept going like one on one stats. with scared Cameron Dantzler.
2: Okay, okay, three. Okay, so 20 for 40, sixty percent uh, completions, three hundred and twenty five yards, two to one <laughs> touchdown <stand> interception ratio. <laughs> Pass rating of 92.2, only took three sacks, so a yards per attempt of 8.13 and an adjusted yards per attempt of 8.0. Sam, are you thinking of someone else? Okay. You, you played all right. Be, look, at the,
1: look at the final drive or two. Like, I'm, I guarantee you that that performance oh, so na- so now would not have been perceived in again. any way positively unless he delivers on the final touchdown drive.
2: Uh, he did. It was a five yard pass to Amari Cooper for the game winning touchdown yeah, with 51 which he did. seconds left. Yeah.
3: You've convinced Again, me you're that I'm of a wrong. different game. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put Cooper Rush No, I, one. I know he won the game, also he's but like he, did well. yeah. he did not play well. He did not play well. The Vikings played worse. So,
1: I'm was, I'm going to put Cooper I watched Rush every play of that and game. And then Skylar
3: Thompson. Cowboys had no <laughs> yeah, business but every, in
2: You might be right, but every argument you you bring forth just makes you look worse. It, it's as if you're remembering a different game. What was his QBR? I don't go by passer rating.
1: No. <laughs> We're literally not moving <laughs> off at of this point until we get
3: support Week <laughs> 8,
2: 2021, let's see, Rush, PPR 48. See, that's average. It's league average.
3: League average. Yeah, yeah come if have a, average a 48, we rip it. Why is that?
1: Are we going to see Rush? <laughs> we're definitely seeing Rush again next week. Because Prescott yeah. like Prescott's going down. The the Vikings are the yeah, I mean, The, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the wizardry behind away.
2: the Vikings is yeah. Yeah. yeah I that. I don't know, I don't know if that's the particular DADA responsible in this particular instance, but that's that's for the Norse Code podcast.
3: <laughs> I think, um an, an opposition force. Yeah,
1: it's unfortunate yeah. <laughs> that Joe Buck works for ESPN now because he's he can't do the Vikings Bills game. It's actually Joe Davis. Um but if Buck were doing it. You know, we'd have the possibility to hear Keenum steps into one, passes caught, digs, sideline touchdown, touchdown, unbelievable, Bills win it. In that scenario, which Viking defensive back whiffs like Marcus Williams?
2: Harrison Smith. Yep. It it, It has to be the most embarrassing possible. Yeah, exactly. It's like like how Harrison Harrison Smith got uh, embarrassed against the Eagles in 2017, right? It's just like, oh, that's yeah. the game we're going to have, right? Like, if it was yeah. Andrew Sandeo against the Eagles, you'd just be like, yeah. yeah, okay. That You found You figured it out. <laughs>
3: you found Sandeo. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: See, I think the answer yeah. would have been Dantzler. Like, that is absolutely something Dantzler would oh, do, but he won't it, be it, playing.
2: And that would track with, you know, his record of play this season thus far, right? Yeah. It would make too much it's yeah, gotta sense hurt. to be the case. It's got, if, if he's going to repeat the call, it has to hurt. Mm.
1: Uh I I hope Joe Davis does channel that. But if I'm well, actually say pretty something bullish. entirely different, just be like see you tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he is a baseball announcer. Um <laughs> I actually like a Caleb Evans in this spot because I think people might be overhyping Dantzler's impact a little bit. He has not shut down top-tier receivers at all. Um, and I like Evans' physicality. I think that it's right on par with Dantzler. So I'm not. Well, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that Evans is going to perform worse than Dantzler has against some elite wideouts, and maybe he can even exceed, you know, Dantzler's, uh standard a little bit. What do you guys think about that?
2: The the issue with evaluating Dantzler is that if you took say everybody's best 200 snaps this year or whatever, right? Dancer would be near the top of the list in terms of how good those snaps are, right? If you compared everyone's best 200 snaps to each other, Dancer would be like the fourth or fifth best player on the roster. Uh, then you do the bottom 200 snaps and he is, I wouldn't say the worst player on the roster or the bottom five, but it would be alarming, right? You know, compared to, so it's like it's really volatile, but not in the way that cornerbacks typically are not in like the Marcus Peters, Travon Diggs kind of, I'm gambling, Xavier Howard, I'm gambling a lot and I'm just giving up yards and I'm giving up touchdowns, but I got a couple of picks. It's just like mistakes, it's like really great plays or incredible mistakes, right? He's forcing a fumble here. He's got a pass deflection that leads to an interception there, and he gives up a 50-yard touchdown because uh, he just passed it off to Cameron Bynum, who wasn't expecting it because it was cover four. Why would he be expecting it? You know, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's uh, it, it is it is alarming. I would say that it seems like um, based off of what I've seen over the past couple of weeks, it seems like Dantzler has cut down on those mistakes really significantly without seeing a substantial drop-off in the rate of really excellent plays from him. So it does seem like he's improving in that regard, although I think he did make a fairly big mistake two weeks ago, I, I'm trying to recall. Um, but it does seem like the rate of those mistakes is dropping. So um, I I am a little bit more enthused about his ability to take on top receivers. I just would still rather have Patrick Peterson there uh, on top of Stephon Diggs. Maybe have Cam Dancer and Gabe Davis duke it out, uh, even though that's like a size mismatch. I mean, everything's a size mismatch. Dantzler, but aren't they going but, to you know, avoid Peterson's
1: side? I mean, Peterson doesn't
2: move around. He's not a shadower. Yeah, that's that's why I said I'd rather. It's not like they yeah. should put okay. Peterson on day I just would rather that scenario. What, sure. what do you think? A Caleb Evans, Braun, your thoughts?
3: Um. So Dancler's I guess second biggest issue because the the like coverage busting is the biggest issue, but yeah, that has dried up. <laughs> yeah. I think two weeks ago, his problem was that he's he had DeAndre Hopkins a lot, <laughs> just like oh yeah, that was it. That's, on yeah, yeah, it was like oh yeah, well um, hey hey, but in the second half, not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, a Caleb Evans, the second biggest problem with Cameron Dantzler is that he plays too far off really often. I think he's still... He's playing with more confidence than he did last year, but still not enough. And so he he plays things really soft. That's what happened against DeAndre Hopkins a lot, and Hopkins is really good at, like, punishing that. Um, I think Evans has that problem, but worse, based on, like, preseason. So that would be what I think the drop-off is. If you're frustrated about how off Cameron Dantzler plays, that's that would get worse if Dantzler can't go, and you had to do Evans instead. However... Didn't see a lot of that against Washington, so maybe he's doing a little better there. Small sample, and I'm only allowed to overreact to one a a week. Um, So, I don't know. I I probably wouldn't say that, like, expect it to get, like, better. Uh, But there was enough in that Washington game to at least have a little hope, sure. But if I'm the Vikings, I'm probably finding a way to get uh, safety capping over digs at all times. Um, not unlike the way that people have been defending Jefferson. Stefan Diggs terrifies me in a revenge game. He's never been in this position
1: before. Terrifies me. There's nobody that I've covered more competitive than Stefan Diggs. Nobody who burns hotter. Uh, Eric Kendrick said he's a super competitor. And I think Diggs, regardless, that the people he had a problem with are gone, he is going to show up. And he is going to be out of his mind competitive in this game. So I'm worried about it. Um, I think he's sitting on a massive performance if Keenum can get in the ball correctly, which might be a question mark. By the way, they they probably haven't thrown many passes to each other since the NFC Championship game, like five years ago, um, which is kind of wild. But let's revisit Diggs Jefferson and talk about the talker we've talked about so many times before. Is there any scenario where you undo that deal? If you had the opportunity, you could reverse time, keep digs, and let someone else have that draft pick. Um, Is there a world where that scenario
3: would be preferable? Isn't it like the Uh, only trade where nobody says yes to that?
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, that one's really tough. Um, I'm trying to, like, what What do you mean by, like, the only world, right? Because a world where Jefferson, like, he gets injured and is out for the rest of his career. So, like, obviously, that world you'd rather no, ask so things.
1: No, so but... I'm saying, I might have phrased that clunkily. I'm saying if you could reverse time, you have the control, mm-hmm. and you get to keep Diggs, and you know what, what Diggs is going to do. Like, he's going to continue playing at a high, high level. You know that Jefferson's going to play at a high, high level for whoever drafts him, but you keep Diggs, you don't get Jefferson, do you ever make that move in retrospect
2: yeah i'm 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 trying to come up with a justification right that would make like a way to work yourself back, but in terms of Uh, The long view, you know, having Jefferson around, you know, he's younger and he's playing at the same level. Right. You know, that's that's preferable. You've got the cap savings at the beginning. You know, that's preferable, especially because for the Bills, it worked out because at the time, Josh Allen was on a rookie deal. Right. For the Vikings, it worked out because, you know, Kirk Cousins famously was not right. Um, And so, you know, that that's an important element of it. Um, There's also, you know, the fact that I think from a locker room perspective, it was better to have Jefferson in there than than Stefan Diggs. You know, if you keep Stefan Diggs, I mean, what Stefan Diggs are you getting? I mean, you're getting a super competitor, but like, what is he competing for, right? At that point, what is he What is he attempting to prove? <laughs> uh, so um, it is difficult to figure out kind of a, a line of argumentation that it makes sense to keep Diggs, especially, you know, unless you're like, man, those first two games for, you know, in Jefferson's rookie year, they were really crucial to the Vikings' success overall. And D- Diggs would have been ready for the first two games and Jefferson <laughs> wasn't. That's it. That's all you got. Right after that, it's just like, yeah, man. I don't know. Jefferson's got more yards per game. You know, he's getting open a little bit more. I think, like, uh, by almost every metric. I mean, ESPN's like wide receiver ranking thing, which is really cool. I think has Diggs a little bit ahead of Jefferson, but I mean they're both top five. So, um, at least for for a multi year span. So, it, it is tough to envision a scenario where um, stopping that trade makes sense for the Vikings. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Ron? The the money thing was like the reason to do it right where mm-hmm. you had this dream scenario where you trade away Stefan Diggs, replace him one for one with that first round pick and then save money, right? Like that's the justification on on the Vikings side. Um, but also, he's never signing an extension here. Like, Jefferson, we you can reasonably assume will be interested in signing a big money extension. Probably next offseason, uh, Diggs is never signing that. So you don't have nearly as much longevity there. Uh, as soon as his contract is up, you probably are losing him to the free agent market, anyways. So I think everything just could not have worked. There. Yeah, I can't really think of a reason that going back and undo would be a, a good thing for the Vikings at all. For Diggs, I think he needed that fresh start. He mm-hmm. talks about how his mental health like wasn't right when he was here, and that fresh start really helped him. Um, you know, good for the Bills, fantastic for Josh Allen, and it worked out great for us. Yeah, this is like one of the only trades where nobody involved in it would will we'll end up with regrets. Let's go back and undo like the Chris Herndon trade or something.
2: Um, you're both right. You don't. Undo I just it. thought of a scenario where it kind of makes sense, which is yeah. Um, because the Vikings had two first round picks that year, right? Um, the other one was on well, Jeff Gladney. Yeah, yeah, but, but only yeah. because of the trade. No, no, no. I know. I know. What yeah. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, okay. You okay. don't draft Jeff Gladney, which I feel bad, you know, I mean, he's passed away, so I don't really want to, like, you know, dig on him too much. But the scenario where you uh, pass on Jeff Gladney and draft uh, Justin Jefferson along with Stephon Diggs, you know, that's a scenario that actually might have worked out for the Vikings a lot. So that's the one area where you say Probably maybe got to trade up. Yeah, you got to trade up. Who actually,
3: cares? if you don't, yeah, you got to trade up because otherwise, Justin Jefferson's a Packer if we at 22 or whatever it was. Because they were going to trade up like one spot below us. So, there's another element
2: to this whole discussion. Like, where does he go? He goes to the Packers. If you don't, you immediately Mm -hmm. make that trade, knowing that.
1: Yeah. If there's anything at all that I think Diggs is better than Jefferson at, it's like tracking a deep ball. But if you look at their deep ball production, Jefferson's better. Like Jefferson was number two in deep receptions his first two years. I think Diggs has him by one at the moment, like nine to eight, Mm -hmm. but it's because there's the rare 50 yard bomb where I actually prefer Diggs. I think Diggs is a little better acceleration downfield. I think he tracks the ball better, but Jefferson makes so many 25 yard catches, which is considered deep that he just uses his body. He uses his hands, his, his footwork at the end of the play to make those plays. And that's more like functionally productive over the course of a season than the very rare throw it as far as you can uh, ball that Josh Allen does sometimes.
2: Uh, but you, the you attitude, weird? the production, the cost, it's all in favor of Jefferson. Yeah. Here. When, when you compare their skill sets, something very weird happens where the reputations that these players have run opposite to where their skills lie in relation to each other, right? Uh, except for maybe contested catches where Diggs is better. And I guess Jefferson doesn't really have that reputation, although he did in college. Um, but, you know, Diggs, I would say, is better at contested catches. I think he's better at those deep bombs in terms of tracking the ball, which is, of course, not to say that Jefferson's bad at it. Diggs is just phenomenal at it. But, like, you take a look at yards after the catch. I don't know whose numbers are better, but I think Jefferson's a better yards after the catch receiver despite Diggs's reputation, right? And also in terms of just getting open, Diggs has the best route running highlights, you know, this side of Hunter Renfro, right? He is a phenomenal route runner, and it looks like he's a phenomenal route runner. Uh Jefferson is a much smoother route runner, and I think he does a better job getting open, which is a really weird thing. To, when you're talking about Stefan Diggs, not many guys can say they do a better job getting open than him. But I think Jefferson does do a better job getting open. It just doesn't pop off the film in the same way because of how explosive Diggs is when he is running routes. So I'll say that that Jefferson does a better job getting open. He does a better job after the catch. Um, Despite, you know, the fact that, you know, those are the things that Diggs is most well known for. He's not as well known for the contested catch stuff, but that's one area where he's actually better than Jefferson. So it it is kind of an interesting contrast.
1: Uh, I want to revisit the fateful 2018 game these teams played last time they met. But first, we've been talking about it all week, betonline.net. That's where we're tracking this very interesting Vikings-Bills line. It's down to three and a half in favor of the Bills. Over-Under has dropped about three points. Make sure you're tracking that every day at betonline.net, as well as the other lines for the NFL and college football. It's your home for football betting and basketball betting this season. College basketball is underway now. Make sure to check that out, along with MMA, boxing, and golf. It's BetOnline, available on your laptop, on your mobile device. And, of course, it's where the game starts. If you go back in the annals of Vikings' time, there are some pretty fun matchups with the Bills. And with a lot of these AFC teams, you remember them really well because it's once every four years. So you can think back to, like, 2000 when the Vikings had a big comeback against the Bills, Randy Moss had a big game, Culpepper had a big game. 2010, um, I believe that's the game that Favre got hurt and ended his starting streak. Um, and then T Jack came in and the Vikings still crushed him. Uh Sammy Watkins walked off touchdown against the Vikings in Zimmer's first year. And then there was twenty eighteen.
3: What do you remember most? Snowball game. Say again. Chuck Foreman's snowball game, nineteen seventy five. That Last is the game of the regular cut. season in seventy five. He could have got the triple crown. And what happened? But I don't I don't, I don't know. really don't know. Oh, uh, so he was he went into that game in contention for the rushing title, receiving title, and touchdown title among rushing, uh, running backs. Um, and OJ Simpson was in that game too, and also had uh, eyes on, on some of those. But he could have had the triple crown, and I think if he gets a triple crown, he gets into the Hall of Fame. But he doesn't end up getting a triple crown because after then, this is a blowout win for the Vikings, they're up by like 30 points. Bills fans are booing. This is in Buffalo, and it's like a snowy game, and they start throwing stuff at the Vikings in the end zone. A snowball hits Chuck Foreman in the eye, and they're up by like 25 points, and they've got the playoffs coming up. So Bud Grant pulls him. Um, he had like four touchdowns already in that game. He had a ton of yards, and there was like a quarter left. If he keeps that pace going, really good chance he gets the, that, that triple crown, but he gets pulled instead fast forward uh this is a a chris thomason feature from i think like a year or two ago but like fast forward to modern day he gets a call um from somebody that like knew somebody at the bills that ended up that was like friends with chuck foreman from a different time playing or something um who was a guard for the bills in that game who says hey i've actually got a line on chuck foreman they call him up and Chuck Foreman gets a call and he's like, hey, I threw that snowball. I was a kid. I didn't know any better. My parents were just throwing stuff. So I was throwing stuff. I threw that snowball. I'm so sorry. And Chuck Foreman was like, oh, well, I haven't thought about that in like 30 years.
1: (laughs) Of course, his parents were throwing things. Bill's Mafia, relentless, even in the 70s. That's great, though. That's a crazy story. So 2018. Um I feel bad about this game still because my parents went to this game and they don't go to many football games. And this was the game they happened to go to. The the opponent was ripe for like a victory and the the tickets were cheaper because Buffalo didn't travel quite as well because they were really bad or allegedly really bad (laughs) at the time. Um, This kicked off Josh Allen's career. And this also kicked off the beginning of the end of John Filippo. But what do you guys remember about this game?
2: the the Bills had they the so... worst roster in the NFL. Like that's like that's oh, the yeah. thing, right? Like take Josh Allen out of it, right? How many players, you take a look at that 2018 squad, how many players on offense and defense do you think would start for 2025 20, teams in the NFL? It was like Deion Dawkins, I uh, I think one other player in the offensive backfield and two defenders, right? Like that's basically what it was. It was it was such a bad team. That you know the the fact that they were quarterbacked by a player who just wasn't very good, right? Was, I mean, Josh Allen was just inaccurate; he couldn't throw a screen pass to save his life. Um, that the the receivers were awful, right? You know th- that whole group was just so bad that I remember thinking, like, man, is this Bills team top to bottom worse than the Jaguars team that almost went, you know, all defeated, right? You know, because that Jaguars team, to me, I think they ended up winning two games before they drafted Blake Bortles at the, in, in the draft that year. That that team to me was worse than the than the Browns and Lions, you know. 0-16, 0-16 squads, right? Um, but, you know, that that Bills team was just absolutely terrible, right? And the Vikings were doing well. They were winning, right? And so they were double-digit favorites. And, and more than just – it wasn't like 10 points. It was like 18 points, right? Like it was yeah, crazy. Like crazy widespread. spread. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, look, you said, you know, you, you, you can't treat quarterbacks like potatoes. You got to take them seriously. And, eat, like, even with that knowledge, I would have been like, yeah, but I mean, look who they're throwing out there, right? Like this, this guy's not making a college all-star team. What are we talking about? <laughs> so <laughs> famously, Josh Allen didn't make a college all-star team. Like he was just like yeah. it was he was too not bad. good for his first two years. Like yeah, abysmal. He, he was the worst quarterback yeah. in the NFL's rookie year. He made a huge leap in improvement for his second year and was like ranked 26th in most major quarterback metrics. Like that's how bad he was his rookie
3: year. That an enormous leap. Meant that he was still one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Um I believe that was also I mean, the year that Vontae Davis retired at halftime in the game before that one.
2: Yeah. That's that would that's why the Bills The wheels were, were falling uh, off. Yeah. And, and the thing is, the the Vikings, um, if you get rid of the of the of the miscommunications, right, the Vikings win that game handily. But there were like three or four blown coverages. Right. There was a there's a miscommunication between the nickel and Eric Kendricks. Um there was a miscommunication, I think, uh you know, the boundary corner, right? And the in like they, they were just like, you know, uh this tight end whose name escapes me. I don't think he's on a roster right now. Right. Croom. Um might have been might have been uh, something. It CJ with K, right? Maybe. It wasn't Charles uh, Clay. It looks like Luke's looking. No, it was not Charles Clay. Um Jason Kroom would be the name. Yeah, Jason Croom. Jason Kroom. Kroom. Yeah. CJ yeah. Kroom, close. Close enough. That was pretty good. Um, he breaks wide open because of this miscommunication and runs for like a 40-yard touchdown or something crazy like that. And it just kept happening. Of course, everyone remembers the hurdle over Anthony Barr. But, the, you yeah, know, yeah. of the of the five most impactful plays in terms of its impact on the score, that's not even up there, right? <laughs> you know, like,
3: just – <laughs> They a were so shook by that game. hurdle that they went into the next draft and took Alexander Madison, hurdler. <laughs> 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 Dude, that, and and Anthony Barr's great. like, I came back for room? this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then, and then a short <laughs> week, and he goes into to LA in the Sean McVay game, LA. where he ends up having to cover Cooper Cup, and then everybody thought yeah. he was worse than Eric Wilson for three years. Yeah, and and also remember, right before
2: that game, Everson Griffin mysteriously didn't show up. Right, there was like a huge mm. thing. Ooh, that's yep. right. Yeah. There's so many angles lost. to this
1: game. Yeah. Exactly. That's
2: such That a weird moment in Vikings history. Dead. Like, I have been in losing yeah. locker rooms that have been silent. I've been in locker rooms that are confused about ties that are silent, right? Because, like, the tie is just like, well, we don't know really what to feel. <laughs> but, but this one was, like, the first time I've walked into a locker room and there's, like, a palpable sense of shame, right? That just permeated the air. Yeah. It was horrible. Um, Arif,
1: Arif, was this the epic post-game presser where you led off with Cousins and just said, What happened?
3: Did you really do <laughs> that's what I
1: did? did this? This. And God, Kirk's so good at my job, man.
3: <laughs> Kirk the first, I think the first fuddle. two possessions were that's strip right. sacks.
2: That was... Man, we never talk about Kirk fumbling anymore. That was such a big problem. Such a big yeah. problem. And, it, and that appeared in that game, yeah. Oh, my God. We I haven't even good mentioned at
1: that the Vikings ran it a total of six times in this game. <laughs> two of those were Kirk scrambles. Mike Boone, two for eleven yards, led the team. Cousins threw it fifty-five <laughs> times.
3: <laughs> Wait, because that was, that was Flippo, D. right? Yeah, yeah. Later <laughs> in the ran it nine times and uh,
2: basically go. got canned. There, K- go.
3: there you go. There
2: go. I'm t- I'm taking a look. Oh yeah, so you had um, the the remnants of Star Lotulale. You had uh, an almost retired Kyle Williams up front. And, uh, and a Matt Milano at linebacker before Matt Milano had arrived as Matt Milano, right? And uh, and I can see why you would take a look at that, and then you take a look at, like, a guy like Raphael Bush is playing is safety, right? Um, Teron Johnson is playing. Yeah, I can see why you would. The game too. Yeah, and so I can see why you throw the ball a lot, but yeah, maybe maybe run <laughs> that time. <laughs> um, Ed it's Oliver, did
1: he roast Riley Reef? Is that correct? Jerry no, Hughes. no, no, Ed Oliver. Jerry
2: Hughes. Uh, Ed Oliver wasn't. Yeah, Jerry Hughes. Ed Oliver hadn't been drafted yet. Yeah, because their other other um, edge rusher was, was uh, a combination of Trent Murphy and Shaq Lawson, depending on kind of whose shoulder was working that week.
1: <laughs> uh, that was a fun trip down memory lane. Before we have Ron Johnson, it's time for a four-minute drill start the clock it's time to execute the four minute drill all right one minute on the clock we will each go down the line and make our case today's question is the vikings need to dominate which area if they're going to beat the buffalo
2: bills on sunday Arif, we will start with you Uh, Let's go with uh, pass protection, right? I think if the Vikings have better pass protection than the Bills do, I think that they end up winning the game. Uh, That is, you know, the Bills have been doing a lot with the pass rush. Obviously, Von Miller has been playing a really big role. Ed Oliver has done really well for them from pass rush perspective, especially the past couple of games. Kirk Cousins has done well against pressure, but obviously his worst throws have come uh, with pressure in his face. And if the Vikings want to outduel somebody like Case Keenum or Josh Allen, you know, they're going to have to make sure that they create a comfortable environment for Cousins to be able to find the open receiver, go through his reads. He's doing a little bit of a better job of, getting through those reads but he still needs to be kind of comfortable whereas uh you know on the other side of the ball i mean the vikings do have a bit of advantage we've seen neil hunter really turned on the past three weeks we know what jerry smith can do their ability to generate pass rush pressure is pretty extraordinary those are the only times josh allen looks uncomfortable we know what case keenum does under pressure in a vikings uniform he does amazing things in any other uniform he throws picks right and so their ability to generate pressure up front especially if they have Dalvin tomlinson available for them um is going to help them win the game and and create turnovers (laughs)
3: Luke, uh, I'm gonna say both sides of the ball. The slot. Um, the if I were the Bills and I were watching the Vikings defense, we just talked a whole bunch about Dansler or Caleb Evans and stuff, and maybe picking on the backup if he's in, like decent move. But I'm putting Stefan Diggs in the slot and trying to get him on Shannon Sullivan all day. Or if it's zone, you're taking uh, uh shots with Diggs over the middle of the field where the Vikings have had all kinds of problems in coverage. They gotta shore that up. And I think if on the Bills, that's how I am using Stefan Diggs to attack. But if you look at the other side too, the Bills secondary, um, we don't know if Trey White is going to play. They also have Dane Jackson, seventh round pick that was part of the Diggs trade, uh, who's a starter for them now. And Taron Johnson is their nickel corner, who's one of the who's been playing as one of the better nickels in the league this year. Um, at least according to Joe Marino, who does locked on Bills. Um That is also going to be an interesting thing. If you wanted to, you could also say, "Hey, Justin Jefferson in the slot, and we're just going to try to do that." Vikings love to do that. Everybody's slot corner is susceptible to big old Justin Jefferson. But if they got a good slot corner, finding a way to get production there might also be something. All right, I'm going to get cliche
1: as it gets. Time of possession. The Minnesota Vikings are 28. (laughs) In average drive time, they are 24th in the number of plays per drive 21st in the number of yards per drive that has resulted in the 10th most punts in the NFL this season. The Vikings had a seven drive stretch against Washington where they went punt, 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 interception, punt, punt. How many touchdowns will they trail Buffalo if they do the same thing on Sunday? You got to sustain drives. You, you got to at least pick up two or three first downs and then punt the football. But if you are going to have the ball for 19 minutes in this game, you're going to get obliterated. Um, so if they ever had a four quarter offensive performance in them, it's got to come here against Buffalo. I don't care who the quarterback is. And I know that they're playing a really good defense. So it's incumbent that the Vikings have productivity on first down. Looking back to our nerdy stat of the day, in case you missed it on Monday. Vikings had 23 of 26 first downs where they produced 0. 0.7 yards per play. The other three, they had successful passes, but it was ugly. Uh, so that's my Establish key. the
3: run. You heard Sam Ekstrom. Mm. Establish the Just run. Can't run it
1: enough. Run, 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 run. That's what I'm about. <sighs> <laughs> the, the pathetic <laughs> sigh. Is Ron Johnson Henry. here yet? <laughs> it, is he? I hope so. I don't think he is, though. Matt oh, does a good man. job of letting me know and he has not notified me. Uh he'll be here though. He's not gonna miss the um That's right. The the Bruhaha with Braun. That's coming. Um, <laughs> I'll update the gambling. Remember, we pick uh games every week. One against the spread, one over under. Started with a thousand mythical dollars, and here's where we're at. Arif, you're the only contestant that got a win. Last week you went one and one, mm-hmm. you still lost money, but your bankroll is seven oh seven and seventy six cents. Luke Braun, you went zero and two, your bankroll is down to three eleven. I went zero one and one, my bankroll is down to two eighty three and change. Luke Inman went zero and two, he's down to two thirty six and change. So, a nice little lead for you, Arif. Are you going to get aggressive or conservative with the advantage? Are you going to start running the football? Or are you going
2: to uh, work it downfield and try to expand your lead? I don't appreciate that analogy. Um, running the football is riskier than people think, so I am going to throw a series of short passes and I will continue to play conservatively.
1: We will make those picks after our weekly visit with Ron Johnson, who joins us now. He is our Let's guest see of honor. Who was today. lucky enough to get invited to today's party? It's time to meet our guest of honor. He appears on the Ron Johnson show Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays with the round tables on Friday on Twitter at three Ron Johnson. Uh, Ron, I don't want to beat around the bush. So let's get into it. You have a bone to pick with Luke Braun. You've been talking about it all week and now you are face to face. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to step out of the way and let you two have it out. So, Ron, what is your grievance with Luke?
0: No, it's not a grievance. It's just it's what a lot of people do. They, Come they get me. the film. They get the film and then they want to pick out like one play that they really think should have been differently in the game. <laughs> and it's like the, the fade route to Justin Jefferson. If Justin Jefferson catches that fade route, if Benjamin St. Juice gets called for a pass interference, whatever, we're not talking about that play. Uh, When you're in red zone offense, you have about two seconds to decide where you're going with the ball before the snap. After the snap, you have about one second to decide where you're going with the ball. In order to make the throw that Luke's talking about, he has to assume the two guys covering the inside receiver are not going to cover the inside receiver anymore. It's not going to happen ever. Like, it's not going to happen. The one he's bracketed in that system when you look at red two defense and they went man outside. So for a quarterback, offensive coordinator, anybody who's ever played pop one or football, the throw goes to Justin Jefferson versus Benjamin St. Jude. So that's just that's just my point. When you look at Kirk Cousins, you know, at sixty four point eight percent and you got Josh Allen at sixty four percent. Josh Allen, sixty four percent completion. The big difference is he's eight point one yards per per catch. And then. Kirk Cousins is about six yards per catch. That's the only difference. They're both 64% completions. They're both having a decent season. They're both both their teams, technically Kirk Cousins won more games, but Josh Allen in people's minds is like, oh man, he's out here killing it with the completions and look what he's doing here. Look at the throw he makes there. It's, they're both 64%. So I don't know what kind of math luke does in california but in minnesota 64 64 every every possible way and so that's my point like you can pick out josh allen plays you can pick out tom brady plays you can pick out whoever you at the end of the day everybody assumes because they're they're looking from a you know thousand foot camera angle and they're like oh i can see all of this when you're a quarterback you got about this much window you can't see every single thing you're going off of what is my coverage to the side I'm running the play on? Here's where I'm going with the ball. Hike, let's go. Like, for people to assume that he's Spider-Man or something or he's moving faster than everybody else, so, you know, the Flash or something, where he hikes the ball and then everybody else goes slow and he, like, runs around like an X-Man movie and he can look and see, oh, this guy's not going to cover this guy, this guy. Pokes pokes his guy over, this guy's not covering this guy. He's not, oh, okay, I'm going to throw it here. And then he gets back, gets the ball, throws it to K.J. Osborne. Yeah, roasted. And then Luke's like, he's the it okay. quarterback ever wait like no yeah okay hold on. so so, 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 so okay, this is this is the
2: red of. zone play where luke said he should throw to kj osborne between the two defenders instead of okay Justin so Jefferson. Correct. okay okay that's I, okay i what actually I do said okay Luke's C- can Roboto. i respond What's to Luke's my big
3: first to
1: read. uh
2: no i want i want to prove i want to say that you're wrong uh, I actually agree okay. with you. When I when I saw Luke tweet that out, I thought it was a pretty bad take, but I um, I was a little it's bit not too my take. <laughs> caught so... up in my arguments online for me to get involved in. What is I... your take?
1: Let's yeah. get your take. No,
3: that's absolutely – of course you throw the fade. I I I think I one of the first things I said was like that's absolutely – he's throwing that 100 times out of 100. Of course he is. Um, especially – I think it was a single high safety, right? Single high safety, you see one-on-one on the outside yeah. and you've got him single running coverage, a fade. yeah. yeah. My yep. problem is calling a goal line fade on third and four in a two in with with that timing situation too where like clock matters that that's my issue it's, my issue is not with Kirk Cousins on that play at all um that's one thing also i post like 20 plays do you, do you, on Mondays. do you want me to quote your tweet i
2: i have it right here see there's stuff like this all over the tape all year where kj is open at the goal line but it goes to a jj one on one instead and like do we really want crook to start coming off of those genuinely
3: conflicted what are you conflicted about yeah Okay, yeah. So do we
0: Of course we have not <laughs> instructed wait, wait, wait. Kirk to wait, come off of this, right? Arif, Arif, you are the character witness in this. He literally just said <laughs> I said a hundred times out of a hundred times, you throw the fade. No, Did you, you watch the video? <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't say that though. You should have tweeted this video and said, oh, I'm gonna Okay, saying. videos behind a paywall. So you Okay, you, I apologize. You have the video, you say, you say, Hey, because that's just this is the clip, what right? Kirk you said a hundred yeah. out of a hundred times, Kirk Cousins should throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. There's an opportunity maybe to come to KJ Osborne, but he didn't do it here. End quote. That's that's okay. how you word that tweet. You word sure, it. I also, and I, also worded don't. Kirk don't. Kirk I accept the criticism. Cousins, poorly worded yeah. tweet. Max Kellerman hater that worries about <laughs> how many abs Kirk Cousins has. That that's, that's oh, that was that's the most insane
3: take I've ever seen.
2: Okay, you're basically I basically refuse. Don't let me in with Max
3: Kellerman. I, do I not refuse
2: him. to learn what that take is. Um, I actually um, don't love that throw to KJ Osborne. By the way, I don't think he's all that so open. Uh, and you got you got to throw behind. Can I clarify him my point? <laughs> okay, no, sure. You're wrong. Poorly
3: worded tweet. And uh, later, I'll I'll take the because I I broke down that play for a Patreon Kirk Cousins breakdown, which was like ninety five percent praise, and the other five percent was that one underthrow that everybody was arguing about. Um, I thought Kirk had an awesome game um but that play this is what i'm genuinely conflicted about and i it's a play calling thing not a kirk cousins thing you call that play he's throwing that every time there is absolutely no argument that kirk should come off of that justin jefferson thing if i accidentally implied that in a tweet i'm sorry i don't think that um also i apologize if one play and harp on it great (laughs) apology i apologize if you misunderstood. if if it came off (laughs) uh I am so sorry you were wrong about me. Um, I also post like 20 plays. So I'm not picking one and like harping on it. I, I post like a whole bunch and most of them were good. Um, but my my question is, so they went to one-on-one Justin Jefferson balls a whole bunch, right? Like the, a ton of yep. there was the one touchdown. Yep. There was the halftime one that turned into an interception. Like they went to it a whole bunch. And my question is, at what point does that become too much? Like it's and I'm super conflicted because like one on one to Jefferson seems like it is always good, but there's got to be a limit somewhere, right? And so I would prefer like a spacing concept or something like that. Oh no, yeah, you see single high, you see um one on one with Justin Jefferson. Of course, Cousins is taking it, and that particular play is not about Kirk Cousins. It's about Kevin O'Connell.
2: I, I like that well, we brought Luke, on a, a big play receiver and <laughs> Luke's, first, Luke's first instinct is to say, I don't know if you should always throw the one-on-one to your best receiver.
0: Right. <laughs> well, I'm asking. Jefferson. I'm not
3: saying. I'm asking. So here's, really? I'm like 50-50. I can totally hear you say, perfect, no, I'll take it every time. And perfect perfect I go, video okay.
0: for this. <laughs> here's a perfect video for this. Luke, I'm going to teach you something. One-on-one, okay. Justin Jefferson in the red zone, right? It's like sex with your wife. You can never have enough, and it is never the wrong option, ever. Okay. Like, ever. I'm talking about 9 a.m., Question 9 p.m., Arif's
1: dead. noon,
0: kids are napping, uh, grandma just took the kids for ice cream. It's sex with your wife. Like, you see Justin Jefferson 101, <laughs> hey, kids are asleep. Let's go, babe. Put a ring on sex it, man. Sex with movie. your wife. Like, you can never not throw the ball to Justin Jefferson one-on-one with any defensive back in this league. I am looking forward to the Jets, Sauce Gardner versus Justin Jefferson one-on-one. Why? Because you're going to throw it to Justin Jefferson. And he's going to learn from some of it. I I think this is what happened with Justin Jefferson against Benjamin St. Juice. I think Justin Jefferson was a little bit too relaxed. He didn't aggressively attack the ball. He didn't go up aggressively with two hands. It was almost like, like oh, I, I'm I'm good. I got this guy. Like, this guy's a nobody who is Benjamin St. Juice. And he took for granted that this kid is about 6'2", with about a 6'6", mm-hmm. 6'7", wingspan. And he just was real lackadaisical, I felt like, versus the Justin Jefferson that gets angry, the Justin Jefferson that wants to go attack the ball at the high point. Like, it felt like a little bit of like, uh, eh, it's Benjamin St. Juice. This is the Washington Commanders. I guarantee when it's Jet Sauce Gardner, he's not going to be lackadaisical. That's why you call that play, because if it's man coverage and KJ Osborne bracketed and you don't have TJ Hawkinson backside, because we might get some TJ Hawkinson backside now manned up, I'm going there. But KJ or uh, Justin Jefferson one on one with a DB, hey, you never can get enough of that. Never. That, that
3: was the greatest. You'll, moment you'll figure, in figure this out what that analogy means when you're older. <laughs> i don't know where we go from there this is the second uh, time on this show that ron johnson has disparaged my sex life oh that's right yeah, I mean, you, you, call, stop, yeah. you yeah. stop bringing
2: up opportunities for that to happen
3: or get a better sex life you know, justin jefferson happens, fades right? <laughs>
1: hey whatever works no judgment here <laughs> whatever gets uh, you going arif yeah <laughs> Ron, uh, Stefan Diggs is facing the Vikings for the first time, uh, obviously since leaving, since being traded. I think he's sitting on a huge performance. Just with the way – what I know about Diggs is he's going to fire himself up for this game. Uh, What are your thoughts on Diggs?
0: Yeah, when you look at uh, the usage, him and Justin Jefferson are about the same. Uh, The big difference is the Bills kind of have – uh, dedicated other options. They try to get going early, like Gabe Davis and in, in, in the Knox bit. They try to they try to go across the middle to see if they can get those safeties up. Once those safeties are kind of dialed in, and like the over routes and the stuff that's going on, then you're going to see Stefan Diggs get involved. So the question is is does Harrison Smith or Cam Bynum fall for that? Like do they if they're in quarters, do they fall for that, or are their antennas up? With Stephon Diggs, I think he's going to have a game like I don't think it's going to be a 250 yard or 200 yard game. Uh, I think it's going to be over 100 for sure. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be one of those games. Uh, and honestly, like some of these players playing against Stefan Diggs don't have the same like Viking Stefan Diggs care. Uh, that it would have been if this was like Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes. Harrison Smith might be the only one in the backfield that actually played with Stephon Diggs in purple. So I I think that's going to be the biggest kind of thought with this is these other, like Eric Kendricks, eh, you know, he knows what's coming, but I don't think he's like, "Ah, okay, I got to go blow Stephon Diggs up. Like he's got to worry about the running backs. They just added uh, the kid from the coach Hines or Himes. Uh, So there's a lot going on with this Bills. Uh, offense. They also know if Josh Allen does play, they gotta account for his legs. So I just I just know Stefan Diggs is probably, you know, a little bit juiced up. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the entire team is you got Leslie Frazier, I think we're forgetting about that, walking back into the building, uh defensive coordinator, he's gonna want to dial up some blitzes and, and show everybody like, hey, I, I deserve a chance to be a head coach somewhere. And uh, you know, Ziggy Wilf, you're you're lost for not keeping me around, you know, giving me a chance to get it figured out eventually. Uh, but I, I think that's gonna be the key to this game. It's it's Stephon Diggs. He's gonna have a decent game, but I, I just think there's so many other story. Like if Case Keenum plays, what does that look like? Like do they force it to dig so much that it becomes like tip balls and interceptions? Do the refs let these guys play because Stephon Diggs is gonna be jawing back and forth with Cam or you know if his Cam dancer because he's in a boot? Who knows? It's now a Caleb Evans, um, and the Caleb Evans is long. Like he's he's a he's a Benjamin Shane Juice type of player. Like he's a, he's an eliminator because of his length. And so, and not say Cam Dancer's not long as well. He is too. And I think that's, that's going to be the key to this is, is Stefan Diggs. I don't think this is a Stefan Diggs show. I think this is the Buffalo Bills show and Kirk Cousins is going to have to stand up and show who he is. And that's not throwing it to KJ Osborne on the red zone. I know that, but, um, I know Luke wants him to throw it to KJ Osborne in the red zone, goodness. but uh, <laughs> Hits just keep coming. But. <laughs> but no, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game, I think. But it's it I don't think it's just gonna be a Stefan Diggs show. Um, I'm more interested to see how the fans react. Like, did he, does he get cheers? Does he get boos? Uh, you know what 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 do they think? Because you know it, it's mixed it's mixed emotions there because he did fight his way out. He has apologized since. He said he wasn't a great teammate when he wanted to leave. Um, so yeah, who knows? Who knows what that's gonna look like.
1: Yeah, we'll see if the Vikings travel well enough to to make an impact there in that crowd because I don't think Buffalo's selling a lot of tickets for this game to Vikings fans. They're right. probably going to fill it up uh, with That's Bill's a Mafia. A yeah. Ar- Ar- Arif, I'll give you the last word here, the last question for Ron uh, before we get into our next segment. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, you know, earlier I had mentioned that the biggest matchup to me might be how both pass protection units do. I think both pass rush units um, have been doing really well over the past couple of weeks, and I am just a little bit concerned. Ezra Cleveland, probably coming off of his worst game of the year, he's mostly been pretty good. But, you know, a lot of concern about Ed Ingram. You know, Garrett Bradbury, I still kind of just don't trust it, right? And the Bills have had some issues along the offensive line, too, outside of, you know, uh, know, Mitch Moore. So it's been tough. How do you think that kind of can help define the game and what – what will that enable kind of these offenses to do?
0: Uh, so just stick with the Vikings offensive line. That's really all I can, like Bills for me, it's it's so much going on with that line. Uh, if it is Josh Allen, like I said, he helps them out with the run. Like his ability mm-hmm. to run forces defensive linemen and, and, you know, even blitzers to kind of play it safe. You can't pin your ears back and just go after Josh Allen because he will hurt you. And they design plays to look like, you know, it's a true pass. And it's just a, it's a draw. Or it's a quarterback sweep. Like that's that's where I think their offensive line gets help from Josh Allen's legs. Uh, on the other side, when you look at Kirk Cousins, um, this offensive line. So so one, the Vikings fans have traveled well so far all year. So we'll see. Um, I don't. The weather here is actually nice in November. Normally fans are excited to leave here to go somewhere else in November, but it's like 70 degrees in Minnesota. So I don't know what's going on. But when you look at uh, the Buffalo Bills crowd that is what's going to dictate this offensive line and i think kirk cousin so i watched the clip of peyton manning getting into it with jeff saturday and i i remember those practices uh where we would have walkthroughs, for instance and peyton manning jeff saturday would sit on the ground as peyton manning was talking because he's like this dude's gonna sit here and try to change 50 different plays in, in one play <laughs> and so he would sit on the ground and just you know just like take a knee like all right i'm gonna take a knee until this guy is done explaining what he wants us to do. Boom, all right, I explained it. Jeff's already gets up, fake snap, they do the walkthrough. I think this is going to be that kind of game. Like, it's going to be Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is going to have to talk a ton to Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, and Ed Ingram, those three. Because his tackles are pretty good, and also his tackles kind of know their job in the blocking. But those guards in the center, this is going to be one of those games. I don't know if you saw the clip where Jeff Saturday was MF and Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning was MF and Jeff Saturday's kind of hit the great now. Clip. Fantastic. Um, clip. Yeah, but I don't see Kirk Cousins saying that that way. But I I, I have a feeling that it's going to come up where the offensive line's going to want to do something one way, Kirk Cousins is going to want it a different way, and then the rubber's going to meet the road, and. I, I hope, and this is where Gary Bradbury can help himself out. I hope they're able to, to um, verbalize to Kirk Cousins what they need, so that Kirk can help them get into the right protection. Because uh, because that's where, if they can get into the right protection, I say every time it's it's, it's impossible every single time. Uh, that's what chess. That's why this is a chess match between defensive and offensive coordinator. But if they can get into the right protection at least eighty to ninety percent of the time, meaning not just a free runner with a pickup, like the running backs ready to scan you know you're not getting pushed and this guy's letting the guy come free if they can get that stuff figured out like if they can guesstimate like oh he's showing the white knuckles he's coming forward oh his hands are kind of up he's going to twist because he doesn't have pressure on his hands all that little stuff that we heard guys like john randall Randall mcdaniel uh bring up in their battles with each other um by the way we do have Randall mcdaniel coming on the ron johnson show um next week but when you when you when you think about that conversation yeah and and i'm excited to see what he has to say about this offensive line mainly the guards because that was his position um but when you look at this situation with the offensive line um they are gonna have to let kirk cousins control a little bit and kirk is gonna have to trust because he can't they can't hear and so they have to be buttoned up like and if there's i hate to say it and we we used to we used to hate when mike zimmer didn't use timeouts i hope that the timeout is not overused but kirk cousins one quote he said was the timeouts aren't mine to use. Now I feel like they are. So hopefully, if Kirk isn't happy with what the what he sees, he just calls a timeout and doesn't end up in some stupid like get it and then fall to the ground because nobody's blocking anybody. Um, that's what this game's gonna be about. It's gonna be about Kirk manning up. Like it, you know, I know he can take his shirt off. I know he can put the chains on. But you know, man up. And this is this is what I'm excited for too. If they win. I'm just, I wonder what Kirk is going to do on the plane now. Cause like Black Panther comes out this weekend. So can they get him like a Black Panther head or something? He's to, he's to Chala or something like he's going to be dressed up in the Black Panther outfit with the change. Like who knows, Ron, Ron,
2: this has a lot of opportunity to go sideways. I'm just that this could go wrong real
1: fast. (laughs) I don't know how Kirk tops it. And Ron, I don't know how you top. That podcast appearance that we just had—that was great. It was incredible. Uh, <laughs> follow <laughs> him at Three Ron Johnson, yeah. Ron Johnson Show. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and the round tables Friday. Thanks, Ron. Have a good one.
0: No, thank you. Let's I'm going to break time. down some film this week, I guess, and be the anti-Luke. That's going to be my new film. <laughs> Anti, anti-Luke Brown film. Coming, okay, coming okay, to find the play. The play we, disagree, we got a budding rivalry here. I love it.
1: <laughs> good stuff, Ron. Uh, that was great. It's time for our gambling picks Um, and a reminder, too, to check out Locked On Sports Today, which brings in experts locally to tell you what's going on behind the scenes all across the country. They call it Lost. Locked On Sports Today, available wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, We start with Luke Braun today, who is in second place in our contest. We're making one pick against the spread one pick over under minimum is 100 maximum. A cool thousand dollars this week. Luke Braun, you're first.
3: It's getting a little thin. I am astounded that I'm in second place. I don't think I've gotten one right in like three weeks.
1: Uh, yeah, Yeah, we're we're all below a thousand dollars. So being in second second (laughs) place is a little bit different. Yeah. Pretty mightily.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, that does not reflect well on me. Uh, Anyways, I guess I'll just keep going. I've got enough money to bet the blind for one more week, see if I can't dig out of this hole, and then I'll have to go super aggressive next week if I go 0-2 again. But I got one more chance here. Uh, look, this podcast has done very poor betting on the Jaguars, so I'm going to bet against the Jaguars and take the Kansas City Chiefs minus 9.5 uh, at home against Jacksonville, and I'll put 100 bucks on it. Is that minus 110? Minus one twelve. Twelve, thank
1: you. Um, I think I'm just going to do the anti uh the anti-vike. I'm gonna go with Bill's minus three and a half. Possibility Josh Allen plays, and I think I still like him. Um so you can hate me for it, but also that this is kind of a reverse jinx situation, so and maybe a bit of an emotional hedge. So I'm gonna go. Bills minus three and a half. Do you have the line, anybody?
2: Anybody? Uh, one twelve. Thank you. That's the wrong way. I was, no, that's wrong. Minus one 108. Minus one Yeah. Yeah. I'll go um, one hundred ninety dollars on that.
1: Luke Inman sent, uh, sent in his picks. Luke is going to go with Rams minus one. Is that what it currently is? Uh, yes. At minus 113. Okay. Rams minus one at minus 113. He puts 160 on it. And now reef, you get two in a row.
2: All right. So I'll take the Chicago Bears minus uh, three uh, at minus 103 odds for $100 against the Detroit Lions. I really like how Justin Fields has been playing the last couple of weeks. Uh, for my over-under pick, I'm going to take the Broncos Titans over, get this, 36 and a half points. It's the lowest over-under oh I think I have ever seen. Um, mind you, quarterback situations, kind of screwed up. But 36, 36 and a half points? I, 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 I think there's something there. I know that the Broncos defense is still playing at a high level, but they don't have Bradley Chubb. So um, that one, that one is a wild one to me, so I'm just going to take the over. Dollars and line. $100 line
1: is minus 110. Okay. Back to Luke. In minute goes, he's going to go Giants-Texans under 40 and a half. And once again, someone give me the line.
3: It's at 41 now at minus 110. So that would be good for
1: Luke because he wants the under. So under 41 and he puts 160 minus yeah. on it. All right, my turn. When in doubt, take the Thursday night game and take the under. Uh, so who's playing tonight? I don't even know, and I don't even care.
3: Panthers-Valcans in Carolina. It is 41.5 at minus 110. And All right, I'm taking it. I
1: will, however, put the minimum on that. Uh you take the over? Finish us off.
2: Sorry, are you I'm taking the over or the under? under? Okay.
3: Under. Man, I wanted to just keep going on Panthers overs in a an ill-advised belief in PJ Walker. So now you've <laughs> I've got been me there. reeling. Um, <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, Saints? Nobody's taking that, right? Nope. Uh, I don't think so now. That over-under is at 40. Kenny Pickett, Andy Dalton, offense is reeling, banged up. Sure, under 40 at minus 115, and I'll put 100 bucks on it. How much?
2: 100 bucks. Minus 115. 100 bucks. Oh, sorry. Goodness. The picks are in. And thanks
1: to betonline.net for the lines. Let's wrap the show as we always do with our party fouls. It's time to tell you who
0: spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul.
1: It sounds like there was a legitimate party foul here because the Vikings were having a party on the plane. And apparently, numerous players violated the no social media rule, (laughs) which, hey, I love that it got out. But you gotta you gotta keep it in house if that's the rule. I think I think that's a party foul. Is it? I mean, if there's no trust, Are you a cop, then who?
2: Yeah, who can okay. Uh, party foul, Sam Ekstrom for making that a party foul.
3: <laughs> that's an extremely referee take.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Justice Yeah, would want I love you to how the have Vikings your address printed on it, the back of your too. jersey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've been convinced.
3: It's actually awesome. Yeah. Well, I, that's still my party foul. Well, speaking of referees, that means I get to do the party foul on the back judge that ran into Cam Bynum. Did that happen? I'm going to do it again. I did that. I'm, I'm so mad. That. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I stole it. Remember? Double party foul. Like I, I jumped in out of order so I could take it. The last episode. I have no recollection of that. But okay, I trust you. Yeah, you, you do have a memory of the goldfish. I know that. So before Arif
1: finds out that Brett Favre also had another scandal this week, uh, we're going to sign off. That's Arif Hasan. I was going to reference the fact
2: that there was no new Brett Favre news for my (laughs) party foul, but we'll wait next week.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There might be another scandal at that point. Uh, For Arif Hasan, Pro Football Network, Luke Braun, Lockdown Vikings, I'm Sam Ekstrom. We'll be on the roundtable tomorrow with Reggie Wilson, Ron Johnson, Luke Inman, and we will talk to you then. for now, it's the Minnesota Football Party.